Hey everybody, welcome to The Block. This is episode number six. And uh, we are here with our host, James Ballantine. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Wow, episode six. It seems like everything is just kind of rolling. And, right? And how did we get to episode six so fast? But uh, I'm glad that we're here. Uh, welcome to The Block. As always, my block, your block, doesn't really matter. Our goal is to help all of us as a collective and do better within our blocks. Um, whether it be from voting to growing, um, just overall doing better within our blocks. Mm-hmm. So that's our major goal. And welcome to another episode. Fantastic. So like we start most of our episodes, sometimes we end it, but this time we're going to start it. Uh, what did you do on your block this week? Well, awesome part about it is you're going to hear about this a little bit because um, the greenhouse project is actually a pretty big project, but we are actually on the tail end of it. I have actually uh, finished the scaffolding on the other side, and so I'm building all this from scratch, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so that side is fi- finished because there t- seems to be a lot of people building and growing right now, uh, having a little bit of trouble finding some shade cloth. Uh, but that seems to be coming this week, and we should be wrapping up that project by the end of this week, hopefully. Uh, won't when I say wrapping up, in, wrapping up the building part about it, and then starting the building on another section. Uh, I did some measurements on the front of the house and where we're going to put some edible landscaping in. So uh, really honing in, doing a lot of the growing stuff, and I'm looking forward to doing... Uh, some of that work on the front of the house because again we're going to do some video taping of that because i would love to show some people how to actually build some of that stuff themselves uh yeah great things very cool no that's awesome there's uh there's tons of changes and yeah it's awesome talking about it and rehashing what happened during the week so um this week um you're uh going to uh talk about activism yeah, um, this week, uh, why I actually wanted to go ahead and kind of do some talking about activism is I'm I'm definitely been involved with a lot of stuff that's going on in today's world, getting myself out there to do better for the community, uh, myself, and actually get some of my frustrations out by actually doing some work. Uh, today, there was some comments uh, with a part of a group uh, that I'm doing some work with. And it really came down to what people saw as an effort or a lack there of effort to helping the overall cause. And it made me really want to kind of address some of that and really go over. There's not just one way to do activism. There's not one way to participate. And what we have to do, especially as a as a people, is not discourage each other from helping in any form or fashion. There will be different roles within any revolution, with any help, protest. Uh, you know, there's organizers, there's people who are going to make phone calls and what, what have you. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that you can do to help. And what we have to do is understand that it's everyone's role to do something. And 
it's not my role to judge what you're doing and say it's not as much as what I'm doing because, you know, that minute thing that someone is doing is so, you know, as we might assume is minute, it's very important. It still needs to be done and they're helping. And so we need to kind of address that. But what I want to also kind of go over to do is start looking at the different ways that we can actually help and act in activism. And one way I actually really like, I want to actually start going over what I consider some of my top things. Um, even though I have been out and been at marches and been at rallies and been protesting, uh, I've said for the longest, we have to take it from the streets and take it to the boardrooms and take it to the banks. And what what I mean by that is hit these people where it hurts. Um, boycotts and sanctions are, should be at the top of our list and how we're going to make any kind of dent in any activism work. It, you know, going to the rallies and going to the protests, they're, they're fantastic. They make our voices heard. They make people stand up and listen. But until we're willing to be inconvenienced and inconvenience ourselves, there's no there's no action behind it. It just it's too easily for the story to be changed, such as as we see all the protests that are you know, that have exploded all over the world and that are still continuing to go on, many of these protests have been changed into not protests, but riots. And what I say by that, it's not necessarily that they're actually riots. It's they're being called riots. They're being called everything but a protest and the purpose and the intentions of what people went out for are now being convoluted with the pictures of there are some knuckleheads out there that are out there to take advantage of, hey, you know what, you know, somebody's breaking into uh, uh, buildings, I'm going to go ahead and get some stuff. Uh, so even though they didn't go out there for something like that, or the whole movement is not about that, is they, they, they were able to take advantage of that. And so part of activism is, is to understand that we have to keep the focus on the actual issue. And so for me, it's like, all right, let's start taking some of this stuff out of the streets and let's start looking at boycotts and sanctions. And our ancestors have laid the groundworks for us. And when I say what they've laid the groundworks for us, they've actually shown us that these boycotts, sanctions actually absolutely work. They get our voice heard more than anything else. Because guess what? Rich people hate losing money. And when they start losing money, they stand up and pay attention. That's when changes happen. That's when the real changes happen when you start to hit them in the pocketbook. So when I say that, it was like one of the biggest and best examples of it is one of the most famous, the Montgomery bus boycotts. And what most people don't actually know is the Montgomery bus boycotts actually took 381 days. So 
because of it, it, the most famous, everyone knows, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat in a, the colored section of a bus. So when people don't understand that, she was sitting in her correct segregated location of the bus, but the front of the bus had gotten full of white people. And so she was asked, or not asked, demanded to give up her seat in the color section for a white person to sit down because a white person deserved to sit more than she did, even though she was in her section of the bus. And being tired and also being an activist herself as well, working for the NAACP, Rosa Parks said, yeah, ain't getting nothing. Refused to give up her seat. When they realized that she refused to give up her seat, they called the police and she got arrested. And then the bus boycotts were only supposed to start one day. It was only supposed to be, hey, we're going to make our voices heard and we're not going to take the bus. But then they realized quickly how much taking their money away meant how much it impacted these, these this bus company. And so they took it from that one-day boycott to over a year. And how dedicated these people were is you have to understand, in those days, not every person of color had a bus. Or, I mean, not a bus, a car. It wasn't... They had to carpool. They had to walk. People were walking 10 miles to work for over a year. To make their voices, and that's how dedicated they were to saying, this is a problem, we need change, and we're going to stand up for it. And why I come back to that is, we start off a lot of what we're seeing in this country with a protest that started by Colin Kaepernick. He took a knee and kneeled, and it quickly went from his original message to, hey, this is about me kneeling on the flag and I'm not opposed to the flag. I'm not non-patriotic. It has nothing to do with patriotism. It has nothing to do with flag. I'm merely saying right now, I want to bring attention to police brutality within the inner cities and how people of color are being treated by the police. A lot of people know and don't know that there was a, because of how the NFL immediately jumped on the bandwagon of the current administration and started to deflect the actual issue and allowed it to be talked about the, uh, it's not patriotic, it's a disrespectful flag, even though we're ignoring the Constitution and the First Amendment rights, that it gives us the right to protest and peacefully, you know, assemble. Um, you can't be pro this, but then, hey, well, you know, nah, I don't like you doing that. So we're not really pro constitution now. Um, so understanding that this protest that he was doing and then we then as uh, it came across a lot of social media feeds and so forth by people boycott the NFL because the NFL allowed um, the. Uh, narrative to be changed and it wasn't even week one week two and we already had people watching football and so if we're not willing to be inconvenienced 
if we're not willing to find something else to do with our time, then we actually have to look internally to say, is this an issue that we're really that concerned about? And if it is that an issue that we're really that concerned about, such as the segregation that they were really concerned about and the mistreatment that they were really concerned about doing the Montgomery bus boycotts, where they would walk 10 miles and they would not take that bus for over a year, when for many of the people in those towns and around that town, that was their only means of transportation. Unless they could hitch a ride by with somebody else, they would have to walk. And they did it for over a year and it bankrupted that bus company. So understanding that sanctions understanding that boycotts actually and absolutely work and I think understanding different roles in activism and how can we can actually keep the focus on the issue at hand and what we're actually talking about it's too easy for them to change the narrative with a protest in the street a protest in the street is uh, people taking pictures on social media, people taking pictures in every form or fashion. And so it, they can spin that story however they like. But if we, in the beginning, stop watching football and hit the billionaire industry that football is in the pocketbook, just like they're doing now where they're saying, you know what, we're going to allow you guys to do this and we're going to uh, uh, play the Black National Anthem. And I was like, all right, well, you know, you're trying to be too woke NFL now. We don't need to play the Black National Anthem at the which what we needed you to do was get behind Colin Kaepernick and actually not change the narrative. So I don't need you to placate me now. Do you think, um, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we... When that happened with Colin Kaepernick, we we immediately, uh, we haven't seen an NFL game since then. And that's been three years now. But do you think, I think when I talk to people, a lot of them don't realize that your one voice makes a difference. You know, like, well, unless, you know, unless everybody, you know, boycotts, then it doesn't make a difference. But it does. Because you think about you think about the amount of money that one person spends or the amount of time that one person spends watching football, you know, on food, well, on drink, going to bars, buying jerseys, buying tickets to games, going absolutely. to hotel rooms, all that stuff. You think you think about all that and it's it, yeah, one person might be a drop in the bucket. But if one person's doing it and you're leading by example, another person might start doing it, which might lead in it's a by example. Benefit. Yes, yeah. and it's it makes a difference. Well, just like when you say that one person doing it, if you look at we looked at my uh, uh, <laughs> bar budget <laughs> when I was watching football because I was you know I was a heavy into fantasy football. I had three fantasy football. I was a commissioner for two leagues and participated in another. Um, so. Yeah, my I would start 
at with the first games at the bar and into the second games, and I had a team of people, and there was times that Nikki would show up, and I I made eight friends, and we're buying drinks for each other, and I think one December we looked at my bar budget. I think it was in six hundred or seven hundred dollars. It at the was bar. over seven hundred dollars. Yeah, that you had spent just watching football. Yeah. So that was just, hey, my weekend, I'm hanging out, I'm relaxing, I'm playing, I'm watching football, I'm doing my fantasy football. So yeah, uh, one person can absolutely make an impact. And, 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 but what it can do is also, it can inspire. You know, we look at a lot of our civil rights icons and, and leaders. It, it, sometimes it takes the one person who steps forward and steps out and he inspires a movement and he inspires other people and he's not doing it for the inspiration to inspire others. He's doing it because he looks at it and says, you know, this is actually the right thing to do for me. I, I looked, I started looking at all of the marginalized groups and the different companies that have one thing or the other to to say about each of these marginalized groups. And when you really realize and start to hone in, you know, oh, well, they're just talking about, you know, uh, the LGBT community. It was like, all right, when you dig deep, those people still hate you, black people. And then they hate Muslims and they hate Mexicans and they hate this and so forth. So when you start to really look at all of these different people that have something that is just nasty and negative to say about each group, they feel pretty much the same about the other groups. It just isn't your turn yet. So they're not focused on you. <laughs> they're they're focused on this one group right now. They're they're the social norm. Just like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement right now. So black people are at the front, you know, in 9-11 when uh, all of what happened in 9-11, um, you know, it was the 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 Muslim and, and Middle Eastern community that was taking the fire and the heat. And so it will just continue to trickle on to another group and another group unless we as a as a marginalized people, when I say that, I mean everyone steps up and sticks together and says, I support every marginalized group. I don't support this movement. I don't support this. If you're in the marginalized, I'm behind you. If if you're if you feel that you're not you don't have your voice heard then that's how we make the boycotts and the activism even more powerful because it's not just my focus it's not just your focus it's anyone in these groups we're all focused we're all facing you and that's when they stand up and pay attention because now the people have a bigger voice behind them. The people have come together and collaborated together. Um, a big sanction and uh, something that happened in, you know, I always say our elders in our group and, and, and that group in the 60s and the 70s really helped us and, and laid a lot of the groundwork for what we see today. It was like my mom uh, mentioned to me not long ago and to, there's a uh, town in Illinois, uh, my mom grew up in Illinois, uh, called Cairo. Um, it's like Cairo, but spelled the same, but pronounced differently. Um, which was a prominent town on the Mississippi River, and you know, 
and had a lot of things going for it. But it's one of those Illinois, Missouri towns that uh, have big racial problems there. And when the people of color would go into town and go to the shops and so forth, they always had to deal with some kind of negativity, some kind of racism. So the people in and around and surrounding that time started moving out of that town, started to go and shop and go out of their way to shop in towns neighboring that town. So where a prominent town is now one of the most destitute towns and has collapsed completely because of economic sanctions. People of color saying, I'm not going to fight with you. Not going to argue with you. You have a right to believe whatever you want to believe. You want to believe that shit? Fantastic. Go for it. You can't have my money. We have to be more discerning with our money. If you don't like us, if you have something negative to say about my Hispanic brothers, my Middle Eastern brothers, my LBGT or L, you know whatever the hell the acronym is. Y'all got too many fucking letters in there. <laughs> so, that. and that but, was not meant in any way, oh, shape, yeah, or form. Because yeah, right, we yeah. are one hundred percent supportive. That's that's a of, joke. Ha, of yeah. All the LGBTQ um, plus all the other letters, yeah. brothers and sisters. Oh my gosh, are we? We're all on the same side. Yeah. Don't, 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 no, anyone get all ruffled up in feathers up there. That's no disrespect in, intended at all. Um, that was just me fumbling over my words. So, uh, <laughs> but what it simply means is we all have to back each other up and we, we, we can't continue to divide ourselves. And as long as that continues to happen, that's when they continue to win. And so understanding is we all as a collective have to be more discerning with our money. We're going to keep our money away from you. We're going to keep our money in the hands of people who are also like-minded, who are also pro-us, who are also willing to back us up if there's a problem and so forth. So that is my favorite part of activism. If we think about it, our own country We'll sanction someone in a heartbeat. Oh, y'all not going to do what we want? Okay, we sanction you. So if the United States will sanction Cuba, will sanction this country, will sanction that country, why, are we, why, why do we not think that will work? And I get it. It's inconvenient. You can't get, you have to figure out something else to do with your Sunday. Start a business. Takes up plenty of your time. You can go ahead and do that. What yeah. what happened when you when you uh, boycotted football? It's I had a lot of free time, and so it made me realize again. It was like some of the dreams, some of the things that I kept saying that hey, I'm going to do. I had ample time to do it. I was just you know putting my time into other things, such as three fantasy football leagues and being a commissioner, <laughs> and, you know, spending seven hundred dollars in a month or you know at the bars, and you know I was having a great time. I was high fiving people. We were buying drinks, cussing each other out, but it would mean in a good way. <laughs> it was, it was fun. But what I also realize now too is that I have the same amount of fun doing my own thing. Um, it, I find myself t- tired sometimes. The passion is there. But it's really awesome to see you put yourself, put time and effort into something that you want 
and watching it grow. So I, I just say with something like that is, is as we start to understand making our blocks better and understanding the different ways that we can actually put forth effort into um, activism, it's not only going to, because there are people who won't go to protest. They're like, you know, I don't want to go to protest. I don't want to be around that many people. There's too much of a chance of something bad happening. Um, I had a really good friend of mine, somebody that I really respect, uh, when he, uh, we were talking about when all of this going on and, you know, I was, I was, and I'll bring this up in another podcast. I was really, um, discouraged and disappointed, um, in how I saw something, you know, I grew up with parents that, uh, participated in the civil rights movement and, you know, there's many civil rights icons and, that I idolized growing up as a kid, um, you know, I was reading Frederick, Frederick Douglass in elementary school. Um, and so for me to see some of what has happened in the movement, I was pretty discouraged. And what he said to me was that he was like, oh, I, you know, there's too much foolishness and I never go and participate and stuff like that. Um, I think that's the wrong attitude for all of us to have. Um, I think there need to be more like-minded people who who idolized you know the guys of the civil rights movements and the girls of the and women of the civil rights movement um and who are out there for the positive and the absolute positive we need to be also it can't just be our youth that are out there it has to be everyone that's out there for um for the movement for the cause and that's how we make sure that it stays focused and the narrative doesn't get changed uh so that was just my two cents on that and there's you know i will go over and and something like that (laughs) as well uh sorry about that if you hear a dog kind of you know she she loves our podcast but after a while you know she there's a toy or now and then that she has to give a quick rub to just to make sure that we are paying a quick attention to her (laughs) right um but Going with marches and and there was there's something I'm going to bring up that's been at the top of my head uh, uh, just because it's been going on in the week. There was an absolute tragedy that happened um, or within this month, uh, within this week, uh, where a young child was was killed. And I'm not going to mention names or even the story, because I think what shouldn't be happening is people sens- uh, sensationalizing an absolute tragedy to make a political point. Um, when something like that happens, you know, uh, there's a lot of hurt going on within families. Um, and they need time to hurt. And they don't need time to focus on people trying to sensationalize that for whatever political agenda that they have. Um, but... When I when I what I do want to address on that is there has been a lot of people who's like well, well why isn't the Black Lives Matter uh, movement protesting that and when I when you, when you look at what happened it's like there's absolutely nothing to protest the case the tragedy that happened where you know a young kid got his life taken the suspect was 
within 24 hours, a, a statewide manhunt for the person is ensued. He's apprehended. He's in jail. He's denied bail. And he's already been charged with uh, first-degree murder. So, protesting, that would mean that I, I'm not... Black Lives Matter isn't pro-justice. Because justice has been served. It doesn't stop the tragedy that happens. But the justice system went into action and put the person and perpetrator of this crime in jail. And the reason I, I circle back around to this is because we want to talk about marches and protests as uh, something to do in activism. And so if we look at the recent things that have happened in our culture and our society that have absolutely erupted the world, if we look at the case of George Floyd without going into you know everything that that happened within that case there was no action until there was a protest until people you know went to the streets with anger and pissed and and and, and absolute fury that a videotape gets released of a police officer who had ha- apprehended, I don't care what he supposed to do, supposedly did, and let's say he committed, at best, a misdemeanor. He was in custody. He was controlled. There was zero reason for that officer to continue to kneel on his neck for eight minutes and 46 minutes or 46 seconds. There was zero reason for the other three officers to stand by and just watch that happen as he begged for his life. So if you, to to try to compare stuff like that and to why isn't there a protest? What I, what you understand is what you're doing is basically saying you're anti-Black Lives Matter and you're trying to justify your bigotry by using a, tra- a tragedy from someone else. And how dare you use a tragedy like that to justify your bigotry? It's better off that you just shut the fuck up. And sorry for the language, but it just it has to be said harshly because it's just go sit in the corner and be quiet. Because you're not about justice. You're not in any form or fashion. Because if you were, you wouldn't be saying something now with that point. You would have, you just wouldn't. When you go to, and you go further down the line, you go to Breonna Taylor. And I think when you realize what erupted in this country, it's just a confluence of all of these things. You have Breonna Taylor, who's not a criminal. So for all the people who want to say, oh, you know, black on black crime and blah, blah, blah. Breonna Taylor, not a criminal. EMT, in her own house, minding her own damn business. Asleep. Kick in the door by the police. Husband, just like me. You kick in my door, I'm reaching for my pistols too. I'm a sec- I got second amendment rights, just like you, and I believe in them. I got guns. Don't kick in my fucking door. 
He fired around at him. They said, please. And open fire. And if you read the, the, the case, the police sat out, fire, out front and absolutely dumped into the house. There were bullet holes in every section of the house. There was no tactical command there. There was no discerning of any innocent life anywhere. There were bullet holes in the neighbor's house. It sounds like a damn drive-by shooting by gang members. And this was done by police. And again, there was nothing until there was a protest. And guess what? Those police officers still aren't, they're still hanging out being police officers. I'm sorry if you make a tactical mistake and take someone's life, you don't go back to work. You fucked up. No one else did. You did. Just because you got a badge, it does not mean you're, you're immune to fucking up. You fucked up. That means there should be consequences. The protest still going on? Because there hasn't been consequences for these guys. The Ahmad Aubrey. Jogging down the street. And we have seen this way too much where all of a sudden a white woman, a white man, sees a person of color walking, driving, delivering mail, delivering in a FedEx truck that, to stop them and force them to tell them where they are. You understand? That's kidnapping. These are not police officers. You are not a police officer. You are not a peacekeeper. You have no right to stop and hold someone hostage against their will because you want to know where they're, what they're doing there. You are kidnapping people. And our government hasn't done anything to stop it, even though I know right now there is a big fight in the police department just saying they need that stopped because you don't have that right. I don't give a shit if you want to know what someone's doing. It's not your business. That's the reason we got police officers in 911. So if you're that scared and that concerned of what the scary black man is doing over there, jogging down the street, pick up the phone and stay in the house and lock your door. These men didn't do that. They filmed it, jumped in their car with guns, hit him with his pickup truck, and then killed him. Because he decided, I'm going to fight back because I'm being attacked by white men with guns. Nothing for months. The district attorneys actually let these guys go. And for two months, there was nothing until one of their friends or family who has a conscience. Because obviously, these guys were pretty proud of it. They were showing the videotape around. It wasn't until the videotape was leaked to the public that they actually take action and do something and put these men in jail. And start the, the justice system in motion but why it was still quiet yeah just a black guy cool so when you see of all of this happening you understand protest work because it wasn't until again people went to georgia started burning shit down and going to the streets they would say oh shit i guess we should probably do something about it so here's what it is if we would actually do a, just a better job of actually stopping 
the overall bigotry of this country and actually standing for what we say the Constitution stands for and doing something when someone does something wrong because wrong is wrong. Just like the case where, hey, you made it, you killed a young man. Manhunt. Within the first 24 hours, bam, caught you in jail, no bail, going to jail for the rest of your life. Justice. It can't be we when it's reversed, when it's black on white crime, they go to jail. When it's white on black crime, it's like, hey, well, you know, yeah, he's scary. It's an excuse. You know, like the Zimmerman case where you have a grown man chasing a child. And then has to then uses an excuse that he was scared of him. And you let him go. How are you scared of someone that you were chasing? <laughs> How are you scared of someone who's walking away from you and trying to get away from you? He's trying to get away from you. 911, if you listen to that call, is saying, leave him alone. We're on the way. It wasn't until you kept going and the child decided, nah, I'm going to give you the business. And you realize, oh, shit. He can whoop my ass and he's whooping your ass and then you pull your gun and kill him. And then you use, I was scared. Well, if you left him alone, you wouldn't have got your ass whooped. You should be in jail for the rest of your life. And it's cases like that is why it blew up. But it's not only why that blew up. Here is the catalyst to this case. To everything that we see going on right now. And why these protests erupted around the world, why these protests also erupted in the, in the U.S. is we have a white woman pick up the uh, being videotaped walking her dog in New York. Choking her dog and actually abusing her dog because she was so pissed that somebody was telling her to put a leash on her dog. And she is literally threatening to call the cops and tell them, I'm going to tell them that you're black. Boom. Glass shattered. Boom. No more rose-colored glasses. That lie that you don't know what uh, the police officers do to black people, gone. It is literally on video of someone saying, I know what police officers do to you, and I'm going to call them, and I'm specifically going to tell them that you're a black male and trying to hurt me, a white woman. It was caught on video and it, you can't lie and no longer say, well, I don't know what, you know, I just don't understand what, yeah, you know, I mean, I'll talk that way, you know, everybody was like, but it's, it, it's when you have that lie and it's undercover and then you take the covers off the lie and it's like, no, you know exactly what the police officers do. You know how they, being a black male in this country will all of a sudden can potentially be a death sentence for you if the police are called and you lie about it. All of this happened within the same time period. Boom. Powder came. Volcano erupt. But not only that, we're sitting, on, we're sitting at home watching many of you protest. AR-15s. Full tactical gear, kicking in the door, uh, you know, on the government buildings, calling for the heads of uh, heads of states, saying how you're going to kill them. 
because you want a haircut. Because you're tired of sitting in the house because it's against your constitutional rights and you should be able to not wear a mask and you should be able to do whatever you want. And these people are actually protesting because they don't want to die. And you actually have the audacity to think it's even on the same plane, playing field. But here's what I actually want everyone to actually do. Everyone in the marginalized groups, black, white even, who are willing to stand up for justice, LGBTQ, my Muslim brothers, Hispanic, everyone in the marginalized groups, is understand when someone says, hey, you know, oh, the kneeling on the flag is all about, you know, lack of patriotism. It's like, no, nah, we're not going to have this argument with you. You understand what it's about. And if you don't, you need to actually read something and start turning off the TV and stop watching Fox News or whatever news channel that you're just getting that one slanted side from or even the friends that you do. It's complete deflection. And we've allowed the deflectors to overall continuously deflect against different movements that we're trying to make. We're not going to placate you anymore. We're not going to have this discussion with you anymore. So when you, you come in and you're like, hey, it's, no, no, sorry, deflection, moving on. And it, it's, it's not even time for the discussion with you anymore. It is close the door on any other people who want to say, oh, I want to talk Black Lives Matter. I was like, oh, or you're out there protesting Black. No, but all that. No, sorry. See you later. It's go figure it out for yourself. We're not going to discuss it with you. It's it's just not time anymore. It's there's a there's a movement going worldwide where the rest of us have are fed up with the nonsense. So we understand what side of the fence you are. The moment you opened up your mouth, stay on that side of the fence. I'm not here to educate you. You need to do some self-reflecting. You need to do some mirror time. I always say mirror time is a great time. It's hard to lie to yourself when you're looking at yourself in the mirror. So do that time with yourself. But us arguing with these people, it does nothing but deter and def- deflect from the actual issues that we're trying to address. Let us spend the energy with the like-minded people who are actually trying to make changes so we can keep our protest, our marches, positive and focused and where they need to be at. But I think... That kind of goes over marches and protests. They can be great, but they can also be derailed. And that's something I'll bring up in another podcast where I think we're going to go and why I started and started doing something like this, where I think a lot of, excuse me, or a lot of our protests and our movement have to be grassroots where we are in the leading. We know the people in the neighborhoods. We know stuff like that because I think that, that can help and that can stop a lot of the nonsense that goes on with a lot of these things. I think civil disobedience is also a great way to actually have activism as well. 
And when you say civil disobedience, what do you think about that? Think about, you know, raising hell. Not always civil de- uh, disobedience is raising hell. Sometimes civil disobedience is, you know what? We're going to do a sit-in. We're going to go and we're going to sit in at this what you call and we're not going to do anything. You know, there was many people who sat in front of some major department stores and chained themselves and refused for, to let people in so they could do the shopping. So they could stop the monetary thing at Black Lives or like Black Fridays and hit them in the pocketbooks. That's really what it comes down to is a lot of this stuff like civil disobedience has everything to do with. We're going to go and we're going to find a way to monetarily affect you, but we're going to do so without saying a word. We're going to do so. We're just going to sit here. We're going to so hang up, hold up a sign in front of your story that says you don't support us. So we need to stop supporting you. And hopefully what it'll do is it'll open up the eyes to a lot of like-minded people. And maybe just one, maybe just two, maybe three people just say, hey, we're going to stop going to your show or we're going to stop going to your movie theater or whatever have you, whatever we decide to do. it. But I think civil disobedience is definitely some way that we can actually get our points across, Um, which, you know, peacefully kneeling was definitely a way to be civil disobedient. I think activism, again, is, is something that's great. Um, activism is what has, one, led to every major rule change in this country. So if you're a woman and you enjoy the right to vote, that, became, that came because of people protesting. Absolutely. If you got a mortgage now, if you got Social Security as a person of color, Health insurance. I mean, you can just continue to go down uh, down the list of things that we enjoy in this country today. When I say that, of the 99%. So, I'm including everybody in that. So, everyone down that gets up and goes to work every single day and busts their butt and works hard. A lot of your liberties that you enjoy, including the Second Amendment rights were done so by someone protesting. By someone standing up to our government and saying, I don't think what this I don't think this is right, and I'm gonna do this. So understand you don't have to agree with every protest. Not everyone agreed when people started throwing tea in the uh, Boston River. Some of them were like, no, oh hey, you know, we're, we're patriots, man. And when I say patriots, they were pro-British. They didn't agree with a lot of the things that people were doing then. But people were standing up and saying, hey, we can do better. So if the Constitution is an actual document that you believe in, you say you're a patriot and and so forth, then it's about us doing better. And sometimes that means we have to be civilly disobedient. Sometimes we have to protest. Sometimes we have to stand up and let our voices be heard because we know we, as a country, can do better. And we are demanding that we do that. 
So your choice is to find a way that you can participate. And what we all have to do is understand that you're participating. You're out front, you're doing what's right, and you're participating. And there's no wrong way to participate. As long as your heart is in the right place. And you're not trying to participate in a way where you're going to try to take something from somebody else. And I think that's the key. I think the key is here for activism. There's no wrong way to participate. Absolutely. I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, right now, and this is something you and I talked about. It's like some people, some people can't go to protests, but some people can give money to to support you know an organization absolutely you can you can do a little research for where you buy stuff that you normally buy from restaurants that you support local businesses that you go into spend and we talked about this in episode four um support your black owned businesses we're in an election year um stuck pilots make phone calls Mm -hmm. um in in cases of where you see hey we i want something prosecuted um, because, hey, I don't think this was right and this shouldn't just go unprosecuted. This should go to a, a trial of, of someone's peers. You can make phone calls and start calling at, on, at, on your civil leaders that are locally and your civil attorneys and, and start saying, hey, uh, I need you to do your job. It's when they know that we are participating at our levels, they will get right at the highest level. And right now, they don't think we're paying attention. They think we're too busy liking and disliking. They think we're too busy Netflixing and chilling. They think that we're too busy just living our lives. And that the political process is not something that we keep in our lives. Because, you know, it's boring. Or, you know, it's not. it doesn't keep my attention as well as, you know, that, you know show that I really enjoy watching on this or, you know, my social media app or my new TikTok dance that I'm trying to learn. All of that can go into your time. You can fit all of that in. You just have to learn how to fit it in and you have to make this stuff just as important because we have people that have given their lives. So we all have the right to vote. We all have a right to put our voices out there and we all have a right to be heard. So with that said... Um, I want to say thank you guys for for listening. <laughs> <laughs> as I as I went around the boat on the, on activism, but I think you know it's definitely a great way, and I, I think I went over a few different ways and and of how the different ways of activism actually work. Um, but again, it's it's all up to us to find our own voices. And to find the ways that we're going to participate. So the ultimate goal is to get out there and participate. And I want to say thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.